We all need to laugh. We choose truth over facts. And now for a perpetual political protest in progress. Judge my physical, mental, filth, my physical as well as my mental fitness. Coffee time. And welcome to the Ammo Can Coffee Social Club, Conservative Hour of Power, and Enlightenment Salon. I'm Jason Floyd, your host and the owner of the Ammo Can Coffee Social Club. Again, uh, we have uh, Loretta Eaton with mm-hmm. us. And Loretta, I, I found out some secrets about you this week. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Do you detect an ambush coming? I'm, I'm not going to get involved in this. I'm, I may have to go. There's a meeting over there. <laughs> There's a There's meeting, a meeting, over, meeting there. over there. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we, are, we are pleased to uh, welcome a guest into our live cafe studio today. Um, this is uh, not a streaming show. We tried to do that once, and it, uh, the latency was just really bad mm. with our internet. So, but we do uh, record this in front of our cafe audience, and then republish it for your enjoyment. But we have Martin or Marty Anderson here today with us. For those of you on the Kenan Peninsula, you may have had a chance to cross paths with Marty in uh, sometime in your life over the last forty years. And um, he's a well-respected businessman in the local area. Uh, spent something like 15 years of sadistic, uh, uh, masochistic uh, time on the school board, um, which I, I'm sure we can talk about that at some later date. But um, welcome, Marty, to the show. Thank you very much, Jason. And I'm glad to be here today. So I'm going to ask you to sidle up to that. Uh, there you go. Yeah. So anyway, um, Marty... It, didn't even know about the show until just recently and we had our guest on um david Haig last week if you missed that uh episode highly highly recommend that you listen to that episode it was a little bit long it's about an hour and 45 minutes and um but mr Haig talked about some uh, problems with the judicial system and um law enforcement and uh some ideas for how we might make it better Marty has his own story. So, Marty, for the folks listening, can you give us a little bit of a, kind of a background, a backstory, you know, how you came to the peninsula, um, you know, who you are? Sure. So, I, uh, I moved up from a small town in Illinois called Ottawa, Illinois, which is about an hour south of Chicago. Hmm. Uh, it was at the end of the Jimmy Carter era, and uh, there had been a lot of uh, environmental laws that had been passed and, and uh, quickly put into effect that there wasn't a lot of thought about the collateral damage. So my father had lost his job, which a large portion of the community had lost their job. So we took a 1977 Ford LTD station wagon. I was 17 years old. And we made the trek from the Chicago area up to Soldotna, Alaska. We'd heard that there was a lot of work up here in the oil field. I was just starting my senior year. Uh, so I finished uh, and graduated from Soldotna High School. Uh, immediately went into the uh, into the oil industry, working with uh, Bill Chenault. Mm-hmm. And uh, matter of fact, my first job was his uh, helper on the grayling platform offshore, <laughs> which I think at that time was owned by Unical or Chevron. And um, and just uh, worked in there until I was about uh, I believe 30, and then got into the inspection, or I'm sorry, 26, got into the inspection industry and uh, worked in the North Slope for about 17 years and uh, eventually started my first business and then my second business and my third business 
And uh, one of my greatest desires was always to give back to this community that had been so good to me. Um, I was uh, the benefit of uh, some classes out at the local college that uh, Fritz Miller had helped me get. And uh, I, uh, through him, I was able to uh, get some various jobs in the church that I had went to. Many people supported me. And, and so as I started to become a little more successful, I wanted to give back to the community. And uh, that's the reason why I joined the school board in 2003 and served uh, Sterling and Funny River until 2018, so 15 years on the school board. Um, and so I also uh, worked on the Alaska Workforce Investment Board for four years for uh, Governor Palin and Governor Parnell. And then currently I sit on the Alaska Royalties and Gas Board for Governor Dunleavy. Um, and so it's always been about community service and, and trying to give back uh, to my community that's been, uh, that's been so good to my family and I. So I know that as we were sitting and talking about the show and about uh, the shop here, um, you gave me some information that, you know, typically I've only heard from French folks and a recommendation and so I'm going to take full advantage of that advice and um, you know not a lot of people understand what ammo can coffee is what social club is what we do why we exist uh, we've been called some pretty disparaging names over the last couple of years and um, I think that's due to a lack of education understanding or an interest in actually getting to know us and what we do here and so for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, uh, the Ammo Can Coffee Social Club is sort of the evolved form of what was just a simply patriotically uh, themed coffee house. And um, we had to pivot and work around uh, the government coming into our business and telling us that we were not essential about a year ago and basically putting us out of business with no recourse, no assistance, uh, you know, and we had to be creative and look at what avenues existed for us to continue to exist, survive. really, to survive. And uh, my background being what it is uh, in social work and having worked with the courts and being in public policy and nonprofit work and stuff, um, I've had to read a lot of law and regulation and so I went to the ordinance that the city was proposing at the time in December of 2020, and they were wanting to institu institute a mask ordinance uh, on businesses. And uh, we had watched this happen in Anchorage, and you know, once they get a foothold on the mask ordinance, then the next thing is capacity. You know, you can only serve 50% of your your uh, customers I, I challenge you to ask any restaurant or service industry um, business with small margins if they can survive on 50 percent and uh, if there's a half a percent of an increase in taxation that's hard for some of these businesses and so uh, looking at that uh, at the that ordinance I saw the same words being uh, used over and over and that was public facilities and they were deriving their authority to reach into businesses based on that term public facility. And so I, I looked and I found that private clubs enjoy a different legal standing than public facilities. And the government's ultimately going to do whatever the government wants to do. But um, from a survival perspective, I thought if we had a defensible position from which to make an argument that 
the government did not have the right to enter our business and tell us what to do or not to do, that that would be a good start. Well, fast forward a year, and now instead of just a coffee shop, we are a private club with private membership and private membership standards. Uh, we have this political podcast. We have a men's uh, Christian fellowship and ministry. We have a number of other organizations that have formed our Liberty Action uh, group that meets here. We're a member of that. Um, we have a number of things that under the Constitution are actually constitutionally protected. And so any intrusion into this system presents an obstacle and, and gives us the ability to, to uh, push back in the courts if we have to, to stay around. And we've made a lot of friends along the way. I think we're, we're approaching now around 3,000 members. And so for a community of this size to have 3,000 members, that's, that's a tremendous amount of social and political capital. And we are intentionally engaged in the process of community building. And what does that mean? I mean, what does that look like? Well, we exist to build faith, family, friendships, to uh, raise awareness about and build free enterprise. We're not a nonprofit on purpose because uh, I've been in that world, and I really th- I, we're trying to relieve ourselves of any kind of government entanglement. And when you're a nonprofit, you're just, you know, it's kind of like you are um, throwing yourself at the Leviathan, you know, and Mm -hmm. its many tentacles are going to wrap you in different ways. And so um, Marty had said that there were some folks that got the impression that we were fart right, fart, (laughs) yeah, fart, (laughs) we were fart right wing extremists. So extreme farters on the right side. side. No. uh, That's a good description. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, but rather that uh, that we were somehow, you know, these fringe actors. And mm-hmm. it couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, we are a collection of conservative community members from all along the spectrum of what that means. So from libertarians uh, all the way to the evangelical Christian side to uh, folks who are just purely capitalists and looking at uh, free enterprise and minimization of government. Inter, uh, you know, intervention into or regulation of free enterprise um, with the idea that we look to the Constitution for direction, both the state Constitution and the national Constitution. Now, I know in some circles that will get you branded as a right-wing extremist. Yeah. Well, when you mention your mission statement, which is family, friends, and freedom, um, those should be things that are never being attacked by our, our communities or our government. Or I, I, why does the right wing only own those? The right wing shouldn't own family, friends, right. or freedom. Well, and, and I've told folks, you know, that um, if you love liberty, mm-hmm. you're a friend of ours. And, you know, I remember that back in the 60s, the hippie movement was all about liberty. But it seems like the folks that were engaged in that at this point, those who uh, have, they've either become capitalists, <laughs> you know, and they own their own businesses and they pay taxes and they've become remarkably conservative. Mm-hmm. Or the folks who were sort of on that cutting age, edge of, of so-called progressivism um, aren't so interested in liberty for all. 
anymore. They they feel uh, a need to have all the liberty that they want, but anything that would be counter to their perspective is is not allowed and should be canceled I mean, in this in this cancel culture we live in. Yeah, because would, they know better. They, I mean, they're much smarter than we are. I mean, they knew what liberty looked like in the 60s, and they definitely know what it looks like now. So we can't be given that. Well, I, I will tell you this. You know, um, part of the reason why we exist is to educate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, we can point our fingers all day at the other side and find all, re- all kinds of reasons to be tribalistic. But the reality is, is that... The churches, uh, the Christian side of the equation, the conservative side of the equation, I think those are all separate things. Uh, You can be conservative and not a Christian. You can be Mm -hmm. conservative and a Christian. You can be a Christian and not conservative uh, necessarily, although there's some arguments there I would push people on. Um, But uh, we have abdicated our responsibility to be Mm well-informed. And to be educated and to, like you said earlier, read. I mean, yes. how many people actually read more than a meme or mm-hmm. a funny post or watch a cat video and make a comment? You know, uh, how many people actually engage in uh, their civic duty to be part of local governance? Um, when they see injustice, as we're going to talk about soon, what do they do? do? Do they sit by silently and mind their own business and hope that injustice is not visited upon them mm-hmm. or think that because they say nothing that they're going to be immune from injustice or exempt from it because uh, you, they're being polite and just minding their own business and not making waves? And, um, you know, I think that some of the perception about this place comes from the fact that we make people uncomfortable because we ask questions. And... The kind of questions we ask sometimes make waves because they challenge the status quo. Mm -hmm. They say just because we've done it this way forever doesn't necessarily mean we have to continue to do it this way. What justifies doing things the way we do them if they're not working? Shouldn't we be looking for a better way? A better way? No, I I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I think and, it's, and the, it's just easier to, to just go along and kind of do things the way you've been used mm-hmm. to doing them. And well, No? I, I see what <laughs> I, I, I think what you just described, Loretta, is, you know, was the European continent in the 1920s and 30s. Which exactly. It's just and, easier to go along with what's happening, but we saw. And what did they get? What that, the ramifications of that. Two world wars. Yeah. You know, you the know, Jason, Habsburg Empire dissolved. Yeah, I would assassinations. say assassinations. It was wonderful. <laughs> Based upon your comments, Jason, I would I would ask the question: Is when when being patriotic uh, and loving your country and questioning injustice makes you a radical and an enemy of the state? When when does being patriotic and asking to enforce the Constitution of the United States? And our inherent rights become wrong. Well, that becomes wrong when the system fundamentally changes and is no longer a representative or, or a democratic republic and becomes a true democracy, which is run by mob rule, or uh, becomes a system of oligarchs who uh, either individually or through collusion with each other um, conspire to uh, maintain control above and beyond the public's will. And if you look at the Alaska State Constitution, uh, it very clearly states that all authority people 
is derived from, mm -hmm. by and for the people. Mm -hmm. And that the legitimacy of those who govern similarly comes from the people. And the problem that I see is that so many people who get into office, and we talked about this, uh, you know, earlier with the, uh, the borough assembly. You know, the last borough assembly meeting I watched, I saw a bunch of very um, elitist, isolated, insulated individuals who didn't even pretend to care about the comments that were being made in the public gallery or from, from the public. Mm -hmm. They they were uh, they were condescending and combative and um, uh, demeaning. Uh, they didn't have even they, they didn't even feign respect. Well, Jason, for it's, their it, neighbors, Jason, the it, people who elected them. Jason, it's a lot easier to wield power when you don't have any criticism. It's just easier, don't you get that? I mean, come on, that's what. It's just easier. It's just easier I, to just... I'm afraid to criticize you. <laughs> <laughs> I have no power. <laughs> I, I'm the third microphone yeah, that gets I, cut off. <laughs> I actually have a button over here. <laughs> I know. I, uh, I don't know really uh, anyone on, uh, currently on the assembly. I used to know mm. a lot of folks back when I was mm. on the school board, but um, I, I know there are a few yeah. uh, specifically that are trying to yeah. uh, assist in you know what you talked about last week. Uh, and, and what we're going to talk about today. So um, for those people who are willing to stand up and do the tough job for what their community elected them to do and put that faith in them, I, I commend them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. so let's go ahead and, and cut to the chase. I mean, l yeah. last, uh, last week we were talking about grand juries and we were talking about... Um, as Loretta likes to call it, stupid. Um, and, and then the fact that, that when stupid happens, yep. rather than owning stupid and saying, hey, I was stupid, I made a mistake, uh, it's a tendency of people in power who think they can get away with it mm -hmm. to just cover it up, yeah, to wash it over. And unfortunately, when that happens, it often comes at great expense to the person to which they have... Uh, made that clerical error who is impacted by that that uh, mistake or that um, improper decision and you know a lot of grace has been extended to me from my creator Amen. and my wife yep. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I personally believe that we should be gracious and extend a lot of grace to people but at some point, there must be accountability, yeah. and there th that people need to have some kind of moral or ethical standard, some kind of guide, some kind of north star, we've called it, a fixed point of light that says, this is unwavering, unchanging, and um, we can't ignore it. We can't uh, elevate ourselves above it. We cannot become our own north star, and uh, and when people just for whatever reason, decide that they're not going to be guided by that North Star any longer, and they're going to set their own point in the heavens and, and say that that's the new goal. We have to push back against that because the entirety of Western civilization is based upon this idea of, well, and, and let's just say not all of Western civilization, but at least our system, on this idea that, that there's something called the rule of law. And the rule of law is derived by 
uh, the laws that the authority we allocate to the creation of laws based on community standards and morals and things, but it's also based on something called natural law, which is those laws that the founders identified as these inalienable things that are in, we are endowed with upon our creation. That a creator, something outside of man's system, creates this natural law. And that because that exists, we can't take it. We can't, you know, no man or woman can sit in a position of authority and say, you, you don't have this right anymore. So let's talk about your specific instance, Marty. Um, how does your story start? Well, there's some things that I can discuss. There's other things that, uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not at liberty yet to discuss. So I'll summarize, the, I guess, the beginning of this story, which was um, I had a competitor, a business competitor, um, who made some poor choices, and those poor choices related in a financial loss to them. And so um, that particular competitor um, filed a um, complaint with our local police department, and it was unfounded, uh, yet for motives not yet understood, one of these police officers um, propagated that complaint. Um, they were able to obtain a search warrant. And uh, as we now have information through the Freedom of Information Act and the Alaska Pub Public Records Act, as information starting to come in nine months later, we realized that this officer um, committed perjury. Um, they falsified information uh, that didn't exist, and then they further um, willfully omitted information, which is exculpatory evidence, which would have clearly shown any uh, that there was no intent and that there was my innocence. That information was left out. Now, we're still waiting for more documentation to come in, but information that we just received yesterday clearly shows that the officer knew that what he was going to propagate uh, 12 days later was not true, uh, that he was, in, he was in contact with information that showed on May 6th that what I was being accused of wasn't true. But yet on May 18th, he still filed for a search warrant. Mm. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about the, the, the district attorney's um, role in this. So the district attorney is the prosecutor. They take charging documents from police officers' statements, and typically in an investigation, um, they have to show there's probable cause to believe that a crime has committed, been committed. And, and typically in a, the course of an investigation, there's certain activities that, that must take place. And now I've talked to you, and, and uh, you're quite the data hound, mm. and, um, which David uh, uh, last week. Haig was. Uh, David Haig was a data hound <laughs> and uh, a researcher. And so, um, and I see that you've got a, uh, uh, what is that, a five-part, four-part folder, you know. Uh, I was impressed to see David with, with one of those as well, <laughs> something we used when I was working for OCS when we would put our case files together. So the fact that you have a, a standardized case file and it's as thick as it is for something that's six months old, you know, uh, speaks volumes to uh, how you, the, the research that you've been doing. So as you've become this, you've had to become your own private investigator, essentially. Uh, that's correct, yeah. What have you learned about what, do, I guess, if you're a private investigator, what are you going to do to find the facts in any given case? And 
what if anything like that happened in your case or didn't? Yeah, so, you know, of course, uh, just to give you a little bit of background and content, I'm in southern Illinois teaching a course when my administrator calls me at my office and says that there's five police officers there to serve a search warrant. <laughs> five? Um, five? Five. Five. Yeah, Amazing. because my my background obviously shows that should i be worried it's quite checkered and, and yeah. this was in soldatna soldatna alaska soldatna alaska and they were city police um i will warn you i am prepared to defend myself <laughs> okay <laughs> just just we'll put that on the table right here yeah. because if yeah. if you have five police officers yeah. showing up at your door then yeah. you must be considered to be armed and dangerous or yeah. something right yeah yeah, I, I, I think I did. Isn't that it. almost the entire police force? At least um, one whole shift. Probably. Yeah. probably but, uh, so everyone, no one was patrolling the streets. They okay, were all at your yeah. door. Okay. And, and, and my administrator um, was uh, needlessly, uh, was scared to death. Huh. One of the officers was throwing very threatening comments around and saying that, you know, once they found out I wasn't there in this computer, which was the subject of these claimed crimes, uh, was not there either, uh, that we had actually just moved into the office. We didn't even have any desks there yet. And uh, and he began to threaten her, threaten me through her, saying that if anything happened to the computer, further charges would be filed against me. And my administrator said, well, what charges have been filed against him? And at that point, there had been no charges, and actually there mm. never was any charges. Uh, no charges were ever filed against me. Uh, it was only a complaint. So, um, so they served a search warrant based on a complaint. That's correct. Okay. Yeah, a complaint by my competitor. All right. Now, is that unusual? Is that the usual procedure? Nobody knows. Um, I guess he was able to ca uh, give probable cause. Oh, okay. Because a judge did sign it. Um, okay. But the fact that um, myself and my consulting team have found more than 14 falsifications in the document oh, gotcha. based only upon what we've received so far in the freedom of information act and that how it, many people are on your team um i currently have about 15 people working with me 15 people so so just in case you are wondering i don't have 15 people to come to my <laughs> aid if i'm falsely accused of something so, so you're going above and beyond what the average person's probable capability is yeah. to defend themselves against what sounds like, I mean, from, from what you've said, uh, nefarious sort of allegations that don't really have a foundation. Well, exactly. And, um, and, and that's all been free consultation? Uh, no. Okay. No, I've <laughs> said, I've spent my family and I have spent over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. One hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yes. And, and in this, the last six months. This, yeah, but this started in twenty nineteen. No, think no, no, that is not correct. Or twenty twenty one. It started in March of twenty twenty one. So, so, so one hundred and fifty grand. Loretta, in, have, in two can years. you burn through one hundred and fifty no. grand? And well, obviously, if you're hiring lawyers, you can. But yeah, that's just yeah. crazy. Yeah, I've that, had four attorneys, and the other eleven are. Members, retired members of the criminal justice system, yeah. such as two former district attorneys, former state trooper, former 25-year homicide detective, uh, a former police intelligence computer forensics officer, uh, former member of uh, the FBI, uh, former state prosecutors. Uh, these are all people that have been working with me. Um, and it's as I met with the chief of police that just recently retired, 
um, back in December, I said most guilty people would be happy that they dodged the bullet and no charges were filed. But a, an innocent person who realizes that this was a complete failure in the, of the system, yeah. of the justice system that has become the injustice system, um, and this was hung over my family's head for six months. I can't tell you the sleepless nights. Uh, my wife, who's a recovering stage four cancer survivor, um, my sons that are in the community, uh, I mean, not knowing it each day when you're at work with all, surrounded by all your employees, if five more police officers are going to show up and arrest me for something that I never did. This almost sounds like something off of the news that we've heard about recently with, mm. you know, SWAT teams showing up at people's homes oh, yeah. early in the morning and Kicking their, their doors door down. getting kicked down, you know, and, and these people have no prior history and uh, they are, by all accounts, you know, upstanding citizens and with many awards and accolades and mm -hmm. accomplishments and, and um, but this over-the-top sort of response... You know, it seems like it's purposely yeah. crafted not to just serve justice, but to intimidate. I would agree Have with that. Have you felt intimidated? Oh, beyond uh, any words that I can actually describe. Um, I can tell you when I voluntarily turned over my laptop at the police station, the uh, investigating officer, when they came out, I said, you know, I called you the day you served, tried to serve the search warrant. I called you. You did not return my call. I informed you that the complainant had their own legal issues that existed, and, and, I, and you didn't return my call. I called the next day, and your wife and the police city clerk, Samantha Bauer, uh, answered the f phone call the second day, uh, and I was told that you didn't call me back because you were on a, an accident call. And then she tra finally transferred me to your voicemail, mail, and I left you very specific, uh, detailed information that was very pertinent to this case, which was not included in your police report. And I said, if you'd have just called me and talked to me, we wouldn't be here where we are today. And he looked at me very intimidating and said, yeah, well, we are. The Soldatna, so, so Soldatna Police Department. That is correct. The Soldatna Police Department. This is like something out of some weird movie. Mm -hmm. This is the soldat in the police department. Again, what we have here is I a failure I think to so. communicate. I think so. Some men you just cannot reach. Yeah. Yeah. And what I find is, is, I guess, one of the most disturbing things about this is at no time during this entire process over six months was I ever given a chance to speak for myself to either the investigating officer or the district attorney's office. And my attorney, uh, my first attorney, Eric Derleth, uh, he made a request in writing that I would be able to speak to the officer. Uh, for over a month, we were not responded to. Um, he emailed again and uh, said that he, we would be glad to come in. Uh, and then the officer finally said that he didn't see a purpose for it. It was as though he didn't want any information other than what information would support the narrative that had already been laid down. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about our friends over at Cons uh, Computer Renaissance. Um, 
and I'm going to put a little plug in for them uh, and let you know that I have a business relationship with Computer Renaissance, so no one can say that uh, I didn't warn you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I worked with Andy over there um, over the last couple of years, and he has uh, he's been awesome. His his uh, customer service has been great. He built a uh, custom computer for me for my other business, is about six grand, and and um, you know did some service work on it, and really worked his hardest to give me a good deal, mm-hmm. and uh, always very communicative. You know, he reached out to us uh, about a year ago and said, hey. With COVID restrictions, I'm no longer allowed to uh, use this VR system like we were doing in the in the shop here. Could you use a VR system? I was like, what? <laughs> so he hooked us up with a VR system, a couple thousand dollars worth of equipment. And uh, he said, you know what? You just decide what value this is. And if you feel like paying me something... You know, pay me whatever you think the value is. And then he referred us to a whole bunch of clients. So that's who Andy is. Andy, now I'm told that you've worked with Andy for many, many years. I've worked with Andy Walker before. He had a business in Soldatna. Uh, When he was in Anchorage, I believe I first started working with Andy somewhere around 2008. Um, So, you know, that's uh, 13, 14 years. Right. So you basically exclusively rely on Andy for all your computing needs? I would say that's accurate. If Andy, if Computer Renaissance can meet the need, uh, that's where I do business. And the only time I go outside of that is if he doesn't have uh, what I'm looking for. And sometimes he'll even tell me that. He'll say, I want to save you money or time, so you should probably do this. So so let's talk Let's talk a little bit about the, the police department's interaction with uh, Computer Renaissance and, and, and Andy over there. And, and again, you know, this is not to... We, we don't want to harm the computer renaissance in any way. They are just a hardworking, uh, you know, locally owned business franchise that um, creates a, a great service. And we would hope that they would be treated fairly, as we all would hope to be treated fairly. And, um, and so, you know, I get a little nervous when we talk about these cases mm-hmm. because I have to drive home tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well. And and there are police officers on the street and mm-hmm. you know s- apparently some of them are not as friendly as others. But I haven't it, had the displeasure yet of personally being impacted by an, a, a negative mm-hmm. experience with a police officer, but you know, you went 40 something years I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm Unless there's something you're not telling us about your criminal history, do you have a criminal history uh, other outside of this uh, this new charge against you? Um, my criminal crime ring consists of, I think, two speeding tickets. Um, that's about it. Okay. Yeah. Right. I, uh, that that's horrible. Yeah. Have, that's have, just, have you ever just, fenced any yeah. like Girl Scout cookies yeah. for somebody? Yeah. Or you, there's got to be something other than I have on. not. <laughs> Come on. I uh, I did take an extra uh, puppy treat at Kaladi Brothers. A oh, few there, weeks ago. there you go. That's uh, what it was. That's well, what know, it was. You're shopping there, at Kaladi, kind of, yeah. and that yeah. I, that's an yeah. unforgivable uh, yeah. sin that uh, we may be able to absolve you of later. I uh, I was not going to div- divulge <laughs> yeah. that conflict in, in of interest. All, but in all fairness, we don't offer puppy treats. No, so, true, no. true. You know, when you have a puppy, you you got to meet that little guy's needs. But but really, if this case was truly above board, they should not mind people talking about it. 
It's, right. it's, so, it's, it's got to be something. So now that we've fully exposed our nervousness about talking about okay. things, why should we? Why why should we we be afraid to talk openly about these things? I mean, this is the change in we our culture. Yeah. You know, I was raised in a family where the police are your friends. The they police still are. are the people that you need to run to when there's trouble. The police are the people that you don't need to worry about doing criminal things. But in this case, it sounds like that that image was shattered for you. It it was completely shattered. I would say, and I, I testified at the assembly meeting, uh, at the last assembly uh, meeting, and I said in my t- three-minute testimony that I really basically thought that law enforcement and justice system as a whole was uh, beyond a pro- reproach and that uh, to the point of being naive that there could be no um, corruption within such an organization. Um, my beliefs in that were shattered. Now, I still have a lot of friends and associates that have been former police officers. I, I have several that work for me right now um, and that uh, I know that those are good people and I know that this it, all it takes is one or two bad individuals uh, to have a terrible impact upon people's lives. I just live that. Um, but it also takes a system that fails where there should be checks and balances. Repeatedly. Yeah, failed repeatedly. repeatedly. Fails. Yeah. So uh, so we'll, let's go ahead and, and talk about the investigation and, and what Andy did or didn't do. Yeah, yeah. so if you, this is all, uh, all part of the public, uh, Freedom of Information Act and Alaska Public Records. So nothing here is confidential. It, any person, could go up and ask for this from the Soldotna Police Department, um, filling out the proper paperwork. But what we see is that in the original uh, affidavit for search warrant that was sworn by the officer and uh, signed by a judge is that the officer made several different comments to be fact. Most of those comments, I would say upwards of 90% of his search warrant affidavit, was based on conversations that he apparently uh, or at least allegedly had with Computer Renaissance, Andy Walker, and one of the employees. Um, when I was in reception, because I was out of state of the actual search warrant, I emailed it to Mr. Walker, and he wrote a letter. And I'm not going to read the whole letter in the essence of time, unless you'd like me to, but in the letter... Go uh, ahead. Go ahead. We, oh, we, we got time. Got time. I Ju- got as much time as you have. Okay. Uh, June 8th, uh, by the way, the search warrant was signed off and uh, was applied for May 18th and it was attempted to be delivered on May 25th uh, while I was gone but uh, this is Mr. Walker's response uh, to the sworn affidavit uh, by the officer he says at the request of our customer Martin Anderson Marty I've reviewed the the affidavit for search warrant uh, number 3KN 2177 written by officer and I'll leave his name out for the time being Uh, We'll just call him Officer Smith for the sake of anything else. Uh, During my review, I found several inaccuracies. I'm writing this letter to establish an accurate timeline of events pertaining to the service and repairs performed by our business to Mr. Anderson's computer over the past few years. So the first thing that Andy's stating here is that the timeline is not even accurate that the officer uh, has detailed. Detailed customer equipment interaction notes with dates from our service system were provided to Officer Smith by my employee, uh, I'll leave his name out, we'll call him John. The two laptops brought into our service by Marty were uh, Latitude, and he gives the ID of those. During all of our services we have performed on Marty's computers, we have never copied data 
onto an external data source that was given or provided to Marty. So let me repeat that. He's stating here that he never, in the 13 or 14 years that we've worked together, ever copied any information from a computer to an external hard drive. Uh, every service done for Marty over the years as part of repair or laptop replacement involved copying this data from one laptop to another, sometimes utilizing an in-house intermediate storage device. The dates that were performed on these copies from one laptop to another were 5-14-14, So what Mr. Walker is showing is that what they did and the service they provided and performed had been routine. On 10-26-2020, Marty thought he may need access to some of the files that were on the Latitude computer and we were waiting for parts. So we removed the internal drive from the Latitude to put an external enclosure, uh, the Orico referred to by Officer Smith. The Orico is not an external hard drive, but rather an empty plastic box to temporarily put an internal laptop hard drive into it. So to, so to be clear, because my computer had failed, they were just putting in this plastic box to protect it while mm -hmm. they did the repair. Okay. This essentially turned the internal drive from Marty's laptop into an external hard drive so Marty could access the information using his other computer that was still functional. Then Andy provides a link, which uh, if you had advanced training in digital media, you should be able to go to this link and see that it's basically an empty plastic box. Hmm. He puts the link in there. Despite us moving the drive to an enclosure, Marty was unable to pick up uh, in time for his departure and drive, and the drive remained in our position the entire time until uh, it was finally picked up on 3-21. This could be evident by the fact that we never charged Marty for an enclosure on any of the receipts ever, and, or it was never listed in any of our service orders. When Marty provided us with the latitude, he had been traveling. I was on a Department of Defense project in Pearl Harbor. Uh, we imagined that we imaged the contents of the drive and uh, had been in our possession since September 5th of 2020. So this particular subject computer had been in their position, uh, possession from September 5th, 2020 until March of 2021. It concerns it says just to be concise in case in case anyone was confused or stupid. <laughs> See? Just to You've met Loretta. I met Loretta, yeah. Uh, not saying she's stupid, but that's no. her favorite. I love yeah, it. Favorite word. So he summarizes to make sure that no one can misconstrue what he's saying. Just to con be concise on which sections of the affidavit were inaccurate related to computer renaissance, I have itemized them below. One, we did not transfer the contents of the Dell Latitude E5470 to an external hard drive. Mm -hmm. We did not do that. Okay. The officer said said he did okay so that's in my opinion that's mm -hmm. if the officer claims in the search warrant affidavit that he has advanced training in digital media mm -hmm. so I, I don't think that you could say that he didn't understand what he was saying No, he slept in could have been I'm that not day. sure come on <laughs> so if we continue uh, he says we move the internal hard drive to a latitude e5440 to an external USB drive enclosure on and around 1026 2020. Ten, let me read that again. Yeah. They did this on 1026, 2020. So what the officer is claiming in his May 18th sworn affidavit was something that actually had been done seven months earlier, mm -hmm. before 
the complainant and I yeah. even worked together. So, so there was nothing wrong with doing that. No. Right? Even if it was done. Yeah. Let's say let's say it was done. Yeah. The the the, the charge here was yeah. uh, that in, that uh, proprietary information was copied at, at a later date. Yeah, in March. At, at a later date in March, when it would have been a problem. Yeah, seven months later. Yeah, seven months later. Yeah. So, yep. Okay, this enclosure uh, with the E five four four zero drive in it, as well as a laptop, stayed in our position, our possession until three twenty five twenty one. On three twenty three twenty one, we reinstalled the hard drive that they originally came out of, and we kept the Oracle drive enclosure the plastic empty box yeah the box right the the plastic empty box yeah. that all of this media was mm -hmm. copied to and supposedly i had in my possession and that a search warrant was out to get this empty plastic box that had nothing in it that i didn't own which was still owned by computer renaissance mm -hmm. okay um he continues and i think even more grievous is on 322.21 marty did not bring in an, a laptop e5440 also, I was accused of by the officer. Mm. He brought in a, lat a Latitude laptop E5470, completely different laptop, that he had been traveling with for over six months. We then cloned the laptop Marty was traveling with back to Latitude E5440 and had it been in our possession since September 5th of 2020. Because, that, because this is the same thing that we had always done, copy one lap to the other, which he has all the receipts and dates that he's already stated in this document. This was normal practice that yeah. my employer had always paid for. Nothing here was, there was no uh, underhanded, you know, work. It. And then he finally says, Marty did not specifically ask us to make this clone. There's, there's the lack of the mens rea again, mm -hmm. the guilty mind. Right. Yep. Marty did not specifically ask us to make this clone. It was just assumed when he dropped it off on 9-5-2020 that that's what we were going to do because that's what we had always done. And that had been the protocol for many years. So, so let's let's dial in on that real yeah. quick. Okay, as an investigator, when you have um, the responsibility to interview witnesses to a crime or accessories to a crime, whether they are known accessories or not, in this case, the officer is asserting that you engaged in an illegal activity by soliciting the services of a local business mm -hmm. to then uh, uh, steal proprietary information. Yeah. information that you shouldn't have retained or whatever, mm -hmm. yeah. right? And uh, so as a former investigator myself, you would interview everybody in the, in the case. Everyone. Everyone. Anybody who could possibly have information that would strengthen your case in court and demonstrate that probable cause that a, right. a crime had com uh, been committed. I would agree you would do that if you wanted the truth. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So, so, when, so, so Andy clarifies here. Yeah, he's got one more point, then I'm done. Okay, go ahead. So point number three is, is on 325.21, we did not give or return an external hard drive to Marty when he picked up the laptops. Marty never provided us with an external hard drive, and as stated in my notes above, we did not move the internal hard drive from the E5440 to the Oracle USB drive enclosure, as this officer states. But Marty never picked it up, so we return, he, returned it, the latitude, he returned the latitude E5044 that it came out of. And then he says, if you have any more questions, please contact uh, Mr. Anderson's attorney. And as you can see, it's been digitally signed by Mr. Walker. 
So, so as a franchise owner, uh, franchises have have proprietary uh, customer uh, CRMs, customer relationship management mm-hmm. software systems, mm-hmm. and they track orders, purchase orders, work orders. Uh, they track receipts. All this stuff because they have to have the paperwork to indemnify themselves from cases like this. Things right. where they could potentially be sued or found to be part of something that is outside of their business model. Mm-hmm. Something they're not supposed to be doing. And so Mr. Walker very clearly has a CRM. Yes, he does. And uh, he would be able to verify if you had purchased an external storage device in that CRM. And in our previous conversation, you said something about um, Mr. Walker wanted to give the officer all the receipts yes. that would show <laughs> the pattern yep. of the business relationship, the pattern of behavior mm-hmm. um, that you'd engaged in for forever, including if there was evidence of anything improper, a receipt of that. And without those receipts, then it begs the question, what was the officer's response? So what I was told is that Mr. Walker offered this officer all receipts associated with the two laptops in question, dating back to, I believe, 2014. And that uh, officer, or um, excuse me, uh, Mr. Walker said to the officer uh, that what we did was not out of the norm. And here are all the receipts to prove that. And the officer said, I don't want those. I just want this one receipt. Mm. And which receipt was that? It was the receipt that showed the last work that, that they had done mm-hmm. uh, on the two laptops in March of 2021. So I know personally when you go before a judge and you're accusing somebody of criminal or civil, you know, uh, misconduct. misconduct, that you have to be able to tell a convincing you know uh recount the facts i like to say tell a story but Mm -hmm. you know not in the fictional sense but Mm -hmm. but an accurate uh timeline of events supported by facts supported by eyewitnesses and statements and evidence collected and in this case it seems like from our, our our previous conversations and this one on the air that that's not necessarily what was going on in this case. And, and let me, I know that we have some limited time and stuff, but um, let's, just, let's just answer this question real quick. I think you answered it at the beginning, but just to remind people, this case was dismissed. Correct? It was. No mm-hmm. charges were ever mm-hmm. filed. Right, right. And, and the, the DA paid you back the 150 grand you spent to defend yourself? <laughs> um, unfortunately, that hasn't happened up to this point. Okay. What, 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 no COVID money? No. no COVID money for that? Come on. It's going to be a category under COVID money for please hey, come hey, to your door and knock stop, on it. If we can stop bluff erosion with COVID money, yeah. I'm sure there's got to be a pot out well, that, there. For... Well, that's what I, I'm sorry to inject that, but I just, when I get so confused, I don't well, know what the rules are. Yeah. Somebody, somebody told me recently that I didn't suffer, suffer any physical harm and that I wasn't falsely arrested. Um, so I, I guess I should feel fortunate. So, you know, I'm sorry. That makes no sense. You know, uh, my, so they, 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 they next time get them to stab you. Yeah, I, I have, to, that I have to interject. You know, my family, I, I was mm-hmm. raised with, to have a deep respect for law enforcement as mm-hmm. well. My dad was yep. uh, 
in the military, uh, I think he always had this sort of feeling of camaraderie because he <laughs> lives his life by a very high ethical standard. And I think he has always associated that with law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Up until a couple of years ago, when something happened within our family with this DA mm -hmm. in this town. And ultimately, criminal charges were brought. There was a whole bunch of um, uh, psychological damage done. Mm -hmm. um, they had to hire a lawyer. They had to defend themselves. Ultimately, the case was dismissed, dropped. Yeah. But you know what? It was crap like this, slipshod work, or even, and I don't know that there was nefarious intent in <laughs> that case, but I do know that there was clerical error in that case, yeah. and that no. there was, there was a, a training officer involved and a trainee not really knowing their job and, and going over the top. And, mm -hmm. um, but ultimately, it cost my family a great deal of time and mm -hmm. money and emotional energy, and um, and it forever yes changed. broke the trust. Yep. Absolutely, it yeah. forever destroyed the support for law enforcement. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one, but often you think about different things that could take place, or and you kind of prepare yourself for them mentally. And I ever thought to myself, if there was ever an officer in trouble, an officer mm -hmm. down, right. Um, would I be prepared to come to their rescue and, and take a bullet for them? And up until nine months ago, that answer was yes. I would have done that without hesitation. Today, I would have to question myself. Right. And, you know, you made a great point earlier. You talked about, um, and, and thank goodness, thank, thank God that, yeah. that your wife has seem, seems to have come through the other side of this cancer. Mm -hmm. You know, it sounds like a, a huge ordeal, but... But you made a, a statement about um, cancer, and you you made a, a a correlation to to cancer in the body and uh, corruption in the system. Mm -hmm. And um, you want to talk a little bit about that again? Sure. Just brief history. My my wife was thirty nine years old, and she had a a bump on her leg, and uh, we were told that it wasn't a concern. Uh, that we really didn't need to pay attention to it. Um, that lump uh, went from a half a centimeter to eventually three centimeters and began to cut off the supply of blood to her leg. And so we had to go in, and, and we were told that it would be a 15, 20-minute operation and it would be removed. Once they were in there, it wasn't just the lump, which is what we could visibly see from the surface, but inside of her leg, uh, the tumors had metastasized and they had moved throughout her system. And so by the time we actually found out what actually was happening that we had to now go to Seattle to a specialist and once the diagnostics was done uh, the information we were given was at now 40 years old that she had less than a 15 percent chance to survive beyond six months and had we been given the proper information and dealt with the problem early on that her entire body or in the case the system uh, wouldn't be now threatened and probably going to end and and I look at that and, and I became an expert in cancer I really did I read hundreds of articles about lymphoma I, I became as knowledgeable as I possibly could without being a medical doctor in order to help my wife and I think that part of that helped her survive and so when this came to my door I have read hundreds upon hundreds of articles I've done thousands of hours of investigative work 
and I know a lot about failures or small bumps before. Mm -hmm. And you can see that today those have definitely grown. And I think they've metastasized. I, yeah, yeah. And, and David Haig, you know, is yeah. a prime example of some evidence to support that statement. Um, we Each of us probably can know of someone, anecdotally, who would relate to that statement. And, you know, and so... I appreciate you sharing that story. Mm -hmm. I know it's a deeply personal story and not an easy one to, to think back on. Um, but we have to we have to look at the signs yes. of the cancer that is growing in our system. And uh, as we've seen the weaponization of the Department of Justice federally, as we've seen the weaponization of, of the FBI, as we uh, and other law enforcement, the Capitol Police, uh, as we've seen the courts do things that are completely outside of uh, their constitutional authority, like uh, detaining the folks in the D.C. jails that they have for over a year now. Yep. Many of them without having, due process. Without due process, yep. um, we cannot ignore that. We cannot. We cannot just say, "Okay, we're going to be pleased to be." Uh, moving forward with business as usual, nothing to see here so long as it doesn't touch my camp. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there's a famous saying that, you know, the only thing necessary for uh, evil to prevail is for good, good men, men to, to do nothing. nothing. Exactly and, right. and, you know, to do something is going to cost you. And in your case, it's cost you $150,000 so far, and it doesn't sound like you're anywhere close to uh, that being the total price. Um, but I want to thank you for taking a stand and being courageous and willing to I mean basically this is your life you're fighting for your life 40 years of building a business and a reputation and an expertise um, you were saying something I, I only heard it in passing as you were I was trying to get our tech to work right and you were talking with Loretta about uh, the number of certifications that you have had to acquire through the course of doing business over the last 40 years can you just quickly touch on that yeah my my uh, background and my current career is uh, I'm in the field of quality assurance quality control and so I've got more than 30 certifications from about seven different agencies uh, the American Welding Society and National Association of Corrosion Engineers um, the American Society of non-destructive testing um, I've trained in I've trained people in 48 states and 19 countries I've been recognized by my society uh, with a fellow award mentor award and with the uh, exceptional instructor of the year award internationally um, and so uh, it's a career where your credibility is everything and as my attorney said who's a former district attorney in Anchorage Clint Campion that even to have a charge filed against me would be devastating in my career right which I think was part of the motive involved here mm. right and I think I don't know if it was David I was telling you but you know I I was engaged in a uh in a, uh, a court proceeding a couple of years ago where my daughter um, was communicating with a, a young friend of hers who had become suicidal. Mm -hmm. And as we know, or we should know now, but as a society, especially as Alaskans with one of the highest rates of suicide in, in the nation, that if somebody says anything about suicide, you don't ignore it. You respond. So when my daughter told me, I immediately called the troopers. And I said, you guys need to do a public welfare check on this girl because she's she she has a uh, she's articulated a means and a plan and uh, told my daughter not to tell anybody 
So they went and did the welfare check. Ultimately, the girl was removed from her home. Mom was arrested. There's a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Well, I didn't get, I wasn't privy to any of that because I was just the, the, the concerned community member that called in, and then I just went on with business. Well, fast forward like, I don't know, eight, ten months later, I have an officer of the court show up and serve me a subpoena mm. wanting me to testify in this case. And I didn't even re- recognize the name because the woman was going by a different last name than I was familiar with. So I jumped into court view to see what is this? Because, you know, it's sometimes as a pre- previous social worker, it doesn't happen so much anymore now because there's so much distance between me and that, that career. Um, I would get called back into old cases to recount sort of the role I played and the things I observed. So I thought maybe this is an old case, but no, it was this case. And, you know, it, it's difficult when you go into those situations and you don't know what's going on. And then you have, you have all the details all come to you and, you're confused and it's stressful and so so I'm I'm trying to figure all this out and in the process I find that there's an there's a charge against me because because I look my name up in court view and so what what was already stressful because you don't like to get served a subpoena no (laughs) it's like uh, ah I find that there's a charge against me for contempt of court in Nome. I lived in Nome. But you had moved from there. I had moved from there. And I was like, what is this? So I called the court. So now now my stress is compounded. Mm-hmm. Because for me, reputation is important as well. For, for anybody it is, really. And I call the court and they're like, well, you know, um, you were part of a number of cases representing the tribe. And you missed a whole bunch of court dates. <laughs> that you didn't know about. <laughs> that I, and and, and yeah. that the, the, uh, the judge... Uh-huh was so upset that he put a bench warrant out oh whoa for your whoa, arrest whoa, 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 whoa. because of contempt of court and when the troopers arrived at your last known address to serve you your neighbors said that you had moved many months before well see that job ended very quickly because mm-hmm. i was a social worker doing social work and there was certain practice standards i had to follow and an administrator asked me not to follow those in a specific case concerning a family member. Mm-hmm. And I refused to do that, and so I was fired. Mm. So I left Nome very quickly because <laughs> it's expensive to live there. Yeah. So the, yeah. the, the so, mail never caught up to you. So, so then yeah. the mail never caught Well, the tribe didn't bother to notify the court. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so rather than, I don't know, call the tribe or ask a question, they just put a warrant out for my arrest. Ah. Now, see, that stuff doesn't go away. That's on my record forever. Right. I asked them if it could be removed from court view, and they're like, no, but it doesn't show a conviction. I'm like, you don't understand. Yeah, you know? just the charge. Just the charge. So when you say that you have all these certifications, and I know this is kind of a long way around the block, but I like to identify what sure. you guess. <laughs> you know? And... Uh, I don't even know how you begin to put a value on the expertise and experience that you have accumulated over 40 years and what it costs to arrive at the position in life you did before this false 
charge was made against you and this police officer who knows who knows what his background and history is i'm sure there's somebody who knows well i have some of it yeah yeah but um then weapon is weaponized against you mm-hmm. yeah my my training uh to date uh, exceeds three hundred thousand mm. dollars but that's just the cost of training that's just the cost of the training not the experience and yeah. and everything on the top time of time in the trenches the building the network the the getting the the recognition the, yeah. the having all the reports that you've done the studies yeah. the the surveys you've done over the years and just to be clear what you're i think what you're articulating well but just to add something to it is that the majority of my client base um i have worked for them previously that's why they trust me mm-hmm. um Matter of fact, I think I worked with your husband. <laughs> I think you did. Not Many, my husband. No, no, not no, yours. No, no. <laughs> not your husband. Let me be clear. I was referring to Loretta. Loretta. Um, uh, you know, I've been uh, I've been their children's little league coach. I've been their children's Sunday school teacher. And these are your clients. These are my clients. Right, right, right. Um, and to have a charge show up, uh, the impact that that would have uh, in my personal life. I mean, I think what was most stressful for t- for me is my children are all in the community, some of them in influential positions. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have something like this come out, uh, what that would do to their lives. I was more concerned yeah. with that than I was my own life. Um, but uh, just just to bring some, some information, and this is really just kind of the other side, if I may, Jason, uh, of Andy Walker's statement. So, again, I'm going to leave the officer's name out for now. But uh, he writes this, and he says... Um, Uh, I'm just going to skip to the part that's most pertinent. He says, I graduated from the ex-state law enforcement academy and also attended Alaska Certification Academy. In Sitka, I currently possess an advanced certificate as a police officer issued by the Alaska Police Standards Council, which I'd like to talk again about that in a moment. I am currently a field training officer and have received specialized training for forensic analysis of digital media to include computer hard drives and cellular phones. So, just to be clear, this person on the sworn affidavit is claiming that they have advanced training and specialized training in digital media, including computers. But if we look at Mr. Walker's letter, this officer can't tell the difference between a plastic box that was used as temporary storage and never sold to me and to an external hard drive. Or he's so lazy or so intent on supporting a predetermined conclusion that he doesn't ask the right questions or any questions really pertaining to the case, Mm -hmm. rejects receipts that might prove or disprove the allegation. And changes the statement of Mr. Walker. And changes the statement of Mr. Walker. And then has his wife notarize the sworn affidavit. affidavit. So... What was that? What was that? Welcome to Hazard County, it was, y'all. It, it was mail order training. It had to be. It had to be mail order yeah. training. It was back to the cereal box, yeah, I, maybe? I was going to mm-hmm. say, it sounded like a whole lot of, uh, that's, that's a great uh, salad of technical terms to add on the, the, the you know, I've got to do that. i got to sit down and give myself a really impressive yeah. qualification statement for uh-huh. being a coffee barista. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've, yeah. I've received training on... on uh, 
on uh, boiler systems mm. and um, yes, uh-huh. you know I've, I've worked yeah. on them. Yeah. So uh, that would maybe make me a boiler technician. You you could put all maybe kinds even of engineers. things. An engineer, yeah. yes, yeah, because yeah, we do have to sometimes fabricate things mm-hmm. when we can't find a part. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think fabrication would be a good word here. Good word. When 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 you <laughs> when you yeah. when you don't but, but maybe in a different context. When you don't have <laughs> yeah, I think fabrication. So. Yeah, when you don't have facts. Should, he should add that to fabrication. his list of qualifications. Fact fabrication. <laughs> He's a fact fabricator. Fab- fact fabricator. Yeah. Good idea. So, if we compare this next statement to what Mr. Walker's digital sign statement says, uh, anyway, Officer Smith again, that's fictitious, took over the investigation and contacted the staff at Computer Renaissance. Officer Smith was provided the work order and notes for Martin Anderson, which initiated on 9-5-21. Now, he's making the statement on April 26th of 2021. So he's claiming that I dropped my laptop off, just to be clear, four and a half months into the future. (laughs) So so, so here we go with Loretta's stupid. Yeah. Um, you know, I I would I would tend to agree because I've seen this done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that was probably and and you can argue with me or not, but but I'm play devil's advocate here for a minute and say that was probably a clerical error. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's also a DA mm-hmm. and a judge. And there's a judge mm-hmm. that are supposed to be sort of. They're supposed to catch that stuff. They're supposed to at least read it. They're supposed to read it. Yeah, you're talking about them reading something. And and if we have somebody elevated to the point that we say you should be the prosecutor because you know how to get to the meat of facts. Right. And you should be the judge because because you are uh, uber analytical and you can look Mm -hmm. at everything and then make a a good call Mm -hmm. at the end. Where are these people at? I mean, where is their intervention? Where is their... Whereas their statement back to this officer is say, uh, you might want to at least change these areas. Hey, hey, Cletus, um, put the <laughs> put the uh, <laughs> coffee cup down for a minute. This Starbucks you're, coffee cup. You're dealing with somebody's life here. Yeah, you might want to pay attention. Well, and we talked about this with David Haig last no. week. That that you know, for so many of these people, um, people become yeah numbers numbers. Yeah. They right. become they become yeah. so much sausage to just mm-hmm. put through the meat grinder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. And not really care about the out, the the outcome, just so long as the meat gets through the grinder and the and yeah. the and the grinder doesn't stop working. But you know, it could be a combination of stuff. I I he's sounds like he's well trained, but I'm sounds a bit like he's not. It's it's a complicated case. There's lots of numbers in yours. I yeah. I wrote them down as you were writing mm-hmm. it. In order to follow your story, I had to write them down with yeah. my own notes. So yeah. you know, I'm giving the guy grace, but at that point. And this is what I hope anyone should do, whether it was your, the case of your wife, the doctor that misdiagnosed that. Don't, wouldn't we want these so-called experts to say, well, gee, I don't know. Right. Help me. Yeah. Would you read it? Would you? And that, uh, that to me is the bigger failure. Or show than just, a modicum of integrity and say, I think I made a mistake. I think I made a mistake. Yeah. Could you help me? Let's redo but this or something. And I'm not seeing Remember, that. we're dealing with the same guy who, when I said, I wish you would have just called me, yeah, mm-hmm. well, we wouldn't be here today, who looked at me and leaned over me as a tall, large man, and I'm a short, small man, and said, well, that we are. Well, there's your answer. Right. He's a tall man <laughs> and you're easily intimidated and yeah. and Obvious, when people obviously are obviously not 
Well, uh, 150 yeah. grand later, well, obviously not yeah. easily intimidated. He tried it though. <laughs> yeah. He tried it though. Well, and see, and see, let's talk about that for a minute, because because I think that's part of the metastasism yes, of the cancer is that is. is that the system has been chewing people up for so long. Yes. That that people in these positions of authority yes. feel like there's no repercussions for what no. they do. They get these superiority complexes, yes. and 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 they they look down on, you know, whoever it is they're interacting with if they don't automatically agree with them and say yes, sir, and yeah. jump jump how, yeah. how high and yeah. you know, and even if you mm-hmm. do that, you're not guaranteed justice. No, no. you're not guaranteed no. a, a a fair. A treatment and by the court. And, and we're going to talk about that with know, the Alaska Police Standards Council yeah, in just a moment. Yeah. Let me finish this last comment, though. So he, d- he has the date for four months into the future. Then he says, Computer Renaissance transferred the hard drive from the Dell laptop onto an Orico external hard drive. Mm-hmm. Now, he's stating this is fact. No. I'm, it says right here, I do solemnly swear that this yeah. is factual. And where is the Orico hard drive? There was none. There was none. It was it a was pl- plastic, was empty a, yeah. plastic case. Right, right. That, by the way, all he had to do was look at the receipt, yeah. which he had, that clearly showed that no such item was ever sold to me. I mean, I'm not a trained investigator, mm-hmm. but I've been involved in quality assurance. I've been involved in fatalities. Well, that's investigation. Yeah, right. And uh, Involved in fatalities, how? As far as investigating, okay. yeah. <laughs> Thank hey, you, Jason, for clarifying that. Yeah, yeah. Don't be going there. Don't be going there. Let's not start a nasty no. rumor here. No, no. I've, don't I've, be going there. I've been on investigative committees that okay, have investigated right. work. Thank you, thank you for clarifying. <laughs> no, thank you for clarifying. Um, but he says right here, the opening statement is, being duly sworn, I state the following to be true and factual. So, you know, I know there's this concept in law that uh, you, your wife... Mm-hmm. cannot be compelled to testify against yeah. you. And he swore his oath to her. Yes, his wife. His wife. Yeah. And she notarized the the document that then went to the courts. So the question would be, it will be, you know, if you press this and continue to press it in civil court or whatever, uh, you know, that I'm sure at some point, She's going to be asked to testify. Be interesting to see what the response to that is. But then she's she's not testifying as wife. She's testifying as an employee. Well, there's there's that no, should there's no bifurcation should, there. You don't think there would be no. legally? No, no. I would never no, hire so, somebody. So so then. really, what that goes to is a failure of administration. Yeah, yeah. The administration should look yeah. at that relationship. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you applied for a job and they yeah. ask you if you have a relationship? Yeah within the organization no. when every time I, I when I worked for the state they asked me if I was related to anybody in the state when I worked for for the the university a, a subdivision of the state again they asked if I conflict was related of interest to anybody yeah. in the organization yeah mm-hmm. I have to do that all the time right right so mm-hmm. so our own police department surely they have some kind of standard that says you know are you related to anybody or if they are already pre-existing in that work environment and they get married, mm-hmm. that their ethics committee or whoever maintains the eth- their ethics standards would, in HR or whatever, would take a look at that and say, okay, Bob, mm-hmm. you know, you and Pam got to figure out which one of you is going to change positions because yeah. right now this is a direct conflict of interest that is going to expose the city to a lawsuit. Which is ultimately what this has done. And remember, on May 25th, 
when I found out they tried to search the uh, serve the search warrant when I called the police to talk to this officer it was his wife who answered the phone right mm. it was his wife who took the initial information when I called the second time she's the one that transferred me to his phone every time I've gone to pick up a FOIA report or Alaska Public Records it was his wife who gave me the information mm-hmm. you don't think that's a strange feeling it, it is that I'm I'm getting information and I filed a complaint through a state organization and it I have looks to, to me that that gave Loretta strange feelings yeah. Either that, she's just getting tired. She might need some coffee. No, the corruption that... It, the, the eyes it, are starting it's, it's to glaze small. over. <laughs> After a point, you can only have so many opinions because it's small. You know, it's a small town. But they should be at least aware of the impropriety, the appearance of impropriety. Right. That's the part that bothers me, is yeah. that they... Um, you, you know, that the officer, whether he lied willingly or not, if he would lie, that's even that's more frightening because he had the arrogance to think nobody would check. Right, that or, is horrifying. Or someone or, or wouldn't stand up. Or, or yeah. they've done it enough times and gotten away with it. That's even that, don't, that we, it's just become uh, secondhand. That's even, you know, yeah. you know, and I and I've disclosed previously. You know, I've worked with, I've worked with people. I I know two cops personally. Yeah. That uh, w- one was a Kenai police officer who was demoted because of improper stuff going on in in the field and um he was uh related to uh one of my teachers a husband of one of my teachers and and uh and then another guy that i worked with out in antioch trooper dan scott and you know he was the best guy to have at your back Mm. have your back you know Uh, i i went in the field many times with him but he's over on the side diddling you know local ladies that he pulls over oh gosh and exchanging sexual favor favors oh. to so that they he will not charge them. Oh gosh. Yeah. You know, and it's like it's like where does that behavior begin? And at one point where it's not I mean, how many times does the system have to fail for them to become comfortable in a pattern of behavior to where they feel secure enough to be able to stand towering over you mm-hmm. and say we're, we're, we're doing this. We're and, doing this. And, and why that's important is because that says to me it's, it's, it's more than a case of just him lying once or telling a story once. I mean, the fact that he, he could write that down and get away with it, his wife works there, and that could be a conflict of interest. And then when you go to him with a problem, he just, it's pure intimidation. He's right. got no, there's no reason for it. Essentially, he's saying, because I can. Yeah. You're a little man, and I'm a big man, and I got a power, and I got a gun, and I drive around in a car. Right. I can and, abuse my power yeah. and, and, and deny you of due process. And and you deal with those people. And your livelihood. Yeah, yeah and your livelihood. And your mental health. Yep. And you deal and with those people. And your reputation. Pe- yeah, and those people need to be dealt with very differently than someone who is just, Well, it's there, a one-off. There's a lot of heinous crimes, and there's a lot, oh, of, gosh. There's a lot of people out there, evil people, and I'm going to say that. Sorry, Loretta. <laughs> Um, but okay. I need a blackboard. <laughs> I need a blackboard that says "evil, evil and, and stupid. stupid," and we'll yeah. just like, we're going to mark on yeah, the blackboard. I, I, we're but, gonna, yeah, definitions. When, when, we, when we go into a video blog or a video yeah. podcast, because we're actually talking about doing that, uh, I will get a, a whiteboard or something, and we'll, uh, we'll have keep evil track. And, we'll track. keep track oh, of no. evil and stupid. But I think when you, we know that there's bad people out there. Yes, there M- are malicious bad people. Um, and I'll, I'll go back to what Jason said earlier when, you know, when I was a kid, you were always told, trust the police, right? And so there's this false sense of security. And I, today I, I can tell you 
it's confirmed it's false uh, because there's evil and there's good everywhere and in this particular case for someone to swear an oath to protect and serve me and to wear a badge and to take my tax dollars and then to take that power and turn it and use it against me to neither protect nor serve me but self-serve and to destroy that's that's a problem that no one in this community should be willing to accept because once you start down that slippery slope to begin to accept, accept that behavior the next cop or the next public servant thinks that they can do it and pretty soon they're not serving anyone right they're serving someone else um, it's uh, you know I did quite a bit of research I found a, a study that was put out by the US Department of Justice and I believe it was between 2006 and 2012 um, that uh, it was over 7,000 police officers were charged with crimes in the US in that six-year period 7,000 half of those were convicted right but of those half less then half of those individuals were uh, actually investigated by their own departments. It had to be another outside law enforcement agency that had to, the will to will to investigate that. And and we've already heard from David how that goes in the state of Alaska when when the those who oversee the yes. overseers yep. uh, are corrupt as well. Mm-hmm. Who know, watches the watchers? Who watches the watchers? So. That's where we are now. Yeah. And and this, again, is so sad because we're not in a time, we're not in a time of crisis, really, as, as a society. Right. It's not like, it's really nice to have police officers around, and they are critical at some times, but it's not like we're trying to fight enemies off the beaches or anything. And that is horrifying to me because even in a time when they should be at their best. Right. Because they're not fighting anybody, fighting them. I... I I'm so naive. I call them police. I can't even say cops. I'm right. serious. You'll never hear me say cops. I say police. That's how much much respect I've had. I've taught to have them for them, and that they would do this. There's something missing in their training, the administration of them, the vetting of them, you know, mm-hmm. and even the people that are encouraging these people to become police. They're going into it for the wrong reason. Yeah. Or or somewhere along the line, they lose their their north star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I. I like to give people the benefit of the doubt and yeah. and the the idea that you know most people will generally go into their their industry or their occupation with an altruistic desire to build to serve to produce to whatever 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 that occupation requires them to do that they're there because they have a passion for that work yeah. right that there's something that appeals to them where they think they can bring something to the table, they can contribute, they can make it better, they can, um, you know, derive some personal uh, satisfaction and, and um, pride in their service. But at some point, people lose their way. And, and it really, if we could, I'd, it's kind of like curing cancer, really. Mm-hmm. It's like, at what point does the cell in a body decide okay, I'm going to go criminally insane right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, okay. I'm going to take the system that, that feeds me yeah, and, and, and destroy I'm it. going to strangle it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And in doing so, kill myself. Yeah. yeah. Because cancer dies yeah. when the host dies. They all die. Yeah. You and, know? And funny you say that because in this Department of Justice report, what, 
you know, what it was was an analyzation of how could this happen? How could 7,000 sworn police officers in a six-year period end up committing crimes? Right. And, and what, what they found in the study was that it was normally not corrected mm. initially by management or supervision. Eight, see? Yeah. And then secondly, that when other officers saw that that behavior was either ignored or uh, rewarded, then, then it was okay. Yeah. And, you know, this isn't the first time that something like this has happened in the Soldatna Police Department. I don't know if you remember, this is all public records you can find on the Internet. Uh, Officer Stone King, uh, who was involved in falsifying information as it related to a DUI. And fortunately, um, you know, they didn't keep the party line. And someone did say something. And then her certificate was taken away, her police certificate, through the Alaska Police Standards Council. Um, but it was, she was... The badge was taken away because of dishonesty. So let's talk about the Police Standards Council, the Alaska Police Standards Council. What, what's the role of that body? From what I can understand in my research is they're the ones who give the certificate to the officers. The one that this officer says he had advanced. It's basically like a license. It's to, like a license. To mm -hmm. practice. If right. you were a, a lawyer or a doctor or a social worker. All you, my certifications. Right, right. I can't do welding inspection if I don't have a welding inspection certificate. So this is the one that says you have demonstrated the minimum competency necessary to professionally practice in your field. Correct. Using the 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 um, theories and the systems and the yeah yeah. And so basically, if uh, if a complaint is filed through the the Alaska Police State uh, Standards Council, hereafter known as the APSC. Um, that uh, you file out a complaint on the line uh, and you send it in. And uh, after I did that on December 23rd, I uh, received an email back that basically said that my complaint had been uh, received and that, you know, it would be processed. And so at that point, I... Could you hear the meat grinder spooling up? Yeah. <laughs> so I continued for the next uh, month to forward uh, information uh, evidence, documents to the APSC. Um, and then uh, Friday, I believe it was Friday morning, uh, I had sent the most recent uh, information that I'd received from Lieutenant Kant, who's the off, uh, acting chief of police uh, since Peter Molnarik uh, retired. And uh, I, I received the FOIA information, which was I, I thought was foundational in establishing that Officer Smith uh, committed uh, perjury and so I scanned that in and I sent it to the individual I was dealing with with at the APSC and I received back an email and said in accordance with our process I'll forward your information to the soldat in the police department lieutenant Kant <laughs> so the person that uh, yeah, I received it, the FOIA yeah, from, from he's getting it back he's getting it back with the complaint with the complaint which <laughs> He, they were given on December 23rd. Well, at least yeah. they have a feedback loop. Yeah, yeah. they do. <laughs> Along with a little note that said, watch out for this guy. We tried to convict him once. He got away. I, was, I, I can tell you I was stupefied. Well, well, well I have to tell you, I have to tell you I've, I've worked with Officer Kent. I didn't realize he had filled the, the chief's position. Well, interim. Interim. And, and I, would hope, I would hope that Kent can help shed some light on this. You know, as with any administration, when there's a change in supervision, you know, that brings a change in human relations. And, and uh, you know, we hear about the fraternity mm -hmm. of the cops, the police officers. 
you know, and you can watch a, a hundred mm-hmm. bad B-rated 70s yep. movies about that fraternity going awry. But you also, there's also a common theme of whistleblowers. Mm-hmm. Cops yeah. who have the courage to step up, well, and community members, but in this case... You know, my hope would be that that the Soldatna Police Department finds the will to stop digging a deeper hole. Mm-hmm. You know, as we heard in David Haig's case, it started with a small thing that then uh, probably a clerical or, or maybe just a, a bad choice by somebody in fishing game. Mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't get all the approvals they needed before they started this this wolf hunting, you know, thing. But then that very quickly spun into a political thing. And so rather than just say, okay, we're going to... Owning it. Clamp it down. We're going to, you know, maybe that wasn't the best choice. We'll, we'll consider maybe some more public comment. They just said, well, we'll just throw this guy under the bus. Because we can. Mm-hmm. And then when he wasn't just going to take it laying down... Then they threw some more stuff on it. You know, the, a lie net cannot stand on its own. Mm-hmm. The, the facts don't support a lie. You have to continually prop it up and cover it up yep. and, and uh, you know, project it as something it's not. And, and in this case, you've, you've been doing this for six months now. There's a new administrator. Yeah. Um, it would be awesome to see the city do the right thing. Have you been to the city council yet to talk about this case to them? I'm going to, but I have uh, emailed all of them, including the Soldatna mayor and the manager and many of the council members. Mm-hmm. Uh, I requested a meeting with uh, the chief of police of Soldatna before I retired, and I basically laid out why, and I made sure that all the council members that I had emails for, the mayor and the city manager were involved in that email. So they're quite aware of the situation. But I will, uh, as I did at the assembly, I do plan going and speaking at the city council. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, I mean, really, this is, we can talk about the individual, you know, uh, issues with this particular officer, Officer Smith, for the sake of conversation. Um, but like you pointed out, you know, that the failure of administration. Yeah. To, to have the political will and and the for the, the, the foresight and really the the standards yeah. to maintain yeah. yeah exactly and you know I, I look at this and I think you know prior to March 25th of 2021 uh, I'm sorry May 25th uh, when he tried to serve the search warrant I didn't know one police officer on the force. <laughs> no, seriously. If now you, you know them all. I, I know a couple of them. He knows five. Y- your yeah. admin knows five of them. Yeah. Five of them. And so if you had lined them all up in a crowd of 100, I couldn't have picked yeah. them out. Yeah. I didn't know their names. I didn't know who they were. The only person I knew was the uh, chief of police who just retired. Uh, his wife was my physical therapist many years ago after a mm. back injury. And on the school board, I was uh, kind of the uh, liaison for school security. And so I'd worked with uh, the chief, uh, Molnarik. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name correctly. Uh, I just call him Pete. But I always had a great respect for Peter Mm -hmm. and his wife. And uh, I believe her father was a state trooper as well. And Peter was a state trooper for many years. Quiet man. Quiet man. Very quiet. I uh, I, I had the occasion to meet him on, well, many times. Yeah. We actually were pleased to host him for a, you know, coffee with a cop. Um, event that we held here 
I don't know, about two years ago. And I do appreciate his comments. I met with him on December 23rd, I believe it was, um, at the Starbucks. Sorry. Um, uh, I wanted Nobody's perfect, no. but you can strive for yes. uh, perfection, and, and we, can, we can steer yeah. your, you know, help you steer that ship, you know, in the right direction. I wanted a public place. <laughs> and... Uh, and so this is a private club. There's my excuse right there. there. You go. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. Quick on my feet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I met I met with uh, with uh, I'm gonna call him Peter Chief Peter because I don't have the uh, I, I can't ever, never pronounce his last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I you're, think Mulnerick is right. Mulnerick, I think that's yeah. close. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chief Mulnerick. And so we talked. Um, I can tell you he was very open. Uh, he listened. Uh, he did not discredit or try to get the conversation over. He's a very patient listener, but. One of the things I thought was interesting was as he looked through the data, first of all, he claimed that he didn't know it was me because he has always known me as Marty Anderson, not Martin T. Anderson. Uh, He claimed he didn't know it was me and that uh, he thought this was closed because the district attorney didn't, you know, file any charges. And as I as I walked through the paperwork, he uh, he paid very close attention and followed the timeline, followed the information. And in my opinion, this is subjective. Uh, I, his body language told me that he was visibly concerned. Mm-hmm. And at one point, and I quote, I hope you don't think I was compliant in this, unquote. Compliant? Complicit, I'm sorry. Complicit. I'm tired. Yeah. Okay. Uh, complicit in this. Yeah. And that caused me That's to... That's an acknowledgement of there might be more than just smoke here. Well, it's also an acknowledgement that he may not be getting all the information. You know, he may be the manager. Let's just call him the manager. He's a, the police chief, but he's essentially yeah. the manager of that division, department. Or an and, acknowledgement of breakdown in well, communication. In with communications within his administration. I'm sure right. there's levels below him, and maybe stuff is being kept from him, and he realized it. And that, right. uh, on if that was me, I'd be horrified. Now, did he move I would on be, to another position, or did he retire? Or? I'm not sure. I'm actually trying to contact him right now mm-hmm. um, as another party would like to speak to him, but um, I'm going to probably have to go by the police station and, and try to get some information to contact him because I don't have his private number. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just want to be clear here. I, I think that the former chief is a good man. Mm-hmm. He's always uh, demonstrated integrity integrity as far as our interactions that that's how he struck me yeah uh, you know I, I sat at the same table with him for you know rotary lunches and had occasion to see him in the community in a variety of capacities and he always seemed to be very uh very kind and and uh considerate mm-hmm. and uh like we professional. said quiet professional yeah uh, private very private man yeah. um you know he, he did not so i've met people in authority who become very braggadocious and loud and uh you know they want the whole room to know that they have entered it right this is not peter no no not the kind of individual like i said when he was very patient and and was very attentive um as i presented all the information information that he obviously had never seen Mm -hmm. but that had been given to officer smith and then he asked me uh the andy walker letter for example that my attorney forwarded to both the DA and to Officer Smith in June. Apparently, the chief had never seen it because he asked mm-hmm. if he could keep a copy of it. 
So we're going to go ahead and wrap That's up. Um, we're going a, a little bit long, and uh, there is a, a meeting of the Liberty Action AK group going on right now in the background. We, we got a late start today with the podcast. Uh, we're trying out some new things. Uh, as I said in the last podcast, Loretta found a young man in the community who's uh, mm -hmm. got a degree in sound engineering, and he is uh, yep. working to start his own business, and he came in and got three out of the four mics working. And uh, hopefully this whole interview won't be lost when I save it because it's a new. <laughs> oh no! It's no, a new, no, no! Come it's a on. new system. <laughs> Don't curse us, uh, Jason. Yeah, no. <laughs> but uh, we've enjoyed having you here, and uh, we wish you all the luck as you seek transparency. And um, do you have any final comments or any any advice or wisdom that you'd like to impart or any requests for our listeners? Yeah, the only thing I would say is that there's. Uh, there's a resolution that the Kenai Peninsula Borough recently passed on um, independent grand juries. And I, I think that, and I don't know Mr. Haig, I hadn't met him till I think last week, but I think in his case, from the information that I poured over in my own case, this is really an issue of a failure of a system and checks and balances. Mm -hmm. And I think that independent grand juries that are not controlled by the very people that would be investigated could be a mechanism to be able to bring this type of thing out and have it independently looked at. And I think if those existed today, you and I probably wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation. And so what I'm saying is the public, as Jason said at the beginning, you could be next. You yes. could be living my story. So, Well, in, in case in point, if it can happen to you <laughs> with all of your contacts, mm -hmm. with all of the boards and commissions and committees and, and things you've sat on, with all of your the local vendors and business owners you've worked with, with 40 years of history in this community, you're a man of resources. You have resources. You're traveling. You know, you may not necessarily be a wealthy man, but, you know, I am, I am, uh, you know, acutely aware of, you know, the cost of travel and, and um, to the fact that you're able to go do trainings and go worldwide. It, it means that you have, you're a man of substance, yeah. you know, um, and if it can happen to you, what happens to the grocery store clerk? Mm -hmm. What happens to, you know, the dental hygienist? The what, Starbucks barista. The yeah. Star, the, yeah, the, the Starbucks yeah. barista. Yeah, it gets caught up in something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because ammo can baristas would never be caught up in anything. <laughs> That's what I was implying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but uh, just... Your community members, your neighbors, your friends, your mom, you know, like my mom, mm -hmm. you know, in her 60s and never had a criminal thing in her past mm -hmm. and brought under some, some really heinous allegations and treated very, very, very poorly by the DA's office and the, the state troopers. Yeah. And um, ultimately, her case was thrown out. But mm. the damage is done. Though. The damage yeah. is done. Yeah. She yeah. will never look at the system the same again. Mm -hmm. And the, she the, shouldn't. The harm has occurred. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I don't know what the answer is. Uh, well, I think the answer is we have as a as a community we have to be interested in someone else's injustice yes. before it becomes at our door. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we have to be. I think we have to be upset enough and concerned enough to take action proactively and, and before it does come to your order. And, and, and our justice system has to be reformed. 
it has to have the checks and balances in place that would not have allowed this to happen or any of the other injustices that we've talked about. And if we're not willing to stand up and change what is supposed to be there to protect us in service, but has actually become something that is make makes our life less than it should be, if we're not willing to do that, well, then we probably are Italy or Japan or Germany in the 1930s. Right. Canada today. Canada, Canada today. today. Canada right. today. Right. Right. You hear about the road rally down there in Canada? Yeah. All, all the truckers it's being, uh, that are totally blacked out on media? Well, the province of, what was it? It was New Brunswick or something. Uh-huh. Actually, Nova Scotia bans planned, has banned this uh, convoy. Because it's coming from different, you know, oh, it's Nova Scotia. It's banned on the on the uh, yeah so, so blockade. They're, they're not allowed to stop. You're not allowed to stop on the side of the road and wave at them. Private cars are not allowed. If you blockade any street, what happens if you do? They they arrest you. Really? Province of Nova Scotia. It's a police state. Yeah. yeah. So if if these if you're accidentally you know this convoy you know, is you know I is wish blocking. I wish I had Pink Floyd queued up here to oh. you know. Pink Floyd had some great songs about, you know, the system and mm-hmm. being another brick in the wall and just being, you know, he's got a great video. If you watch the mm. music video for yeah. Pink Floyd, no. the, most, the most shocking image in that is is all the school children standing on a conveyor belt being, you know, pushed into a machine and, and sausage being extruded out the other end of it. Well, they're definitely you know. working towards it. Right. You know, right. definitely. Right. There, there's Canada. no room for individuality. Nope. There's no, no room for dissent. There's no room for uh, asking tough questions. Mm-hmm. You will take your jab. You will stand in line. You will dis- social distance. Mm-hmm. You will comply. Mm-hmm. You will mm-hmm. bow the knee. Mm-hmm. And they, in uh, closer to Ottawa, which is where they're going, they've shut down the traffic cams. Mm. They've blacked them out. There's, you really? know, as, yeah. You so know, you like, can like speed and you're just like. No, 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 not. So well, <laughs> like the ones they have on the highway here right, where right, you could right, look. Right. They, they've shut all those down because they do not want people to know how the many. Feed. They yeah. don't want people to know how many trucks are Media coming. Media manipulations, which it is. is. Yeah. Right. It is. We've not Very seen much that. so. We have not seen that. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> he says in jest. He says in yeah. jest. I know. So, so hopefully we've been able to change some people's perceptions today. Good. You know, uh, we ask you to share this podcast with your friends and your family, your neighbors, the community. Uh, we are working to build community and greater understanding um, in a articulate and analytical and productive way. Um, you know, uh, somebody, I think it was, you were saying, you know, you'd heard from people thinking we're just a bunch of right wing agitators. Well, take a a quick look to your, your, uh, left there. Mm -hmm. And if you could describe the group that you see there, um, do you see any, you see any angry mobs or, you know, the frothing folks? I mean, give it, give us your best radio description of what you, what you see there. I see a diverse collection of individuals. Um, who appear to be uh, very uh, interested in the conversation, thoughtful, taking notes. Um, I see everyone from young people to people that look like myself with gray hair, um, male, female. Um, yeah, I don't see uh, anything where, um, you know, there's not fists shoved in the air and emotional outbursts. Oh, so you're saying there's there's no nose rings, pink or red, green hair, and tats. No. Facial I, tats. I, <laughs> I see none, some none? Come on. Yeah. Well, we no will, skin we'll have a facial tat next week because I'm planning, uh, you know, a large Gazden flag on the right, Are you? right okay. side of my face. Okay. 
<laughs> and gauges, no gauges in their ears, no or just unusual, n- like normal ones, but yeah. not, none of the. I, I do, out. I do see two American flags over. Two there. American flags. No, oh there's, gosh. A, there's a gentleman with an American flag on his shirt. There's a woman with an American flag, <sighs> just leather out, motorcycle jacket. That's outrageous. And a gentleman with uh, a, a flag on his shoulder. That's, that's outrageous to show your overt so, patriotism. So that's the question: yeah. When does patriotism become Illegal? Uh, terrorism? Yeah, it became. It became, I should have answered this earlier, uh, uh, 2017, January 2017, when President Trump was inaugurated. Okay. That's when it became terrorism. Okay. And anybody else no? used to stand up and put their hand on their heart and say the Pledge of Allegiance when they went to school? Oh, man. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I still do it, you know, in the morning when I'm in the shower. Yeah. You know, just because mm-hmm. I miss it so much. <laughs> I could have um, done without that visual uh, <laughs> thought. But, um, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. I, 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 I could tell. I, could, I, I, I didn't expect you to visualize <laughs> it. Uh, I mean. You asked. You you're, asked. you're a very well, articulate speaker. So you, I had a professor once that said your words create pictures. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, be right. careful. Well, well, on that vein, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a, a couple little teasers out and then we'll be done. Okay. Um, so... <laughs> I was sending an email uh, to a person recently that I titled, To Mask or Not to Mask? Mm-mm. This is the question. Okay. And, uh, and of course, that comes from uh, a famous, yeah. li- a famous yeah. uh, line in Hamlet. Shakespeare's Who has been banned. Right, right. Yeah. So, so uh, after I sent the email, I don't know, the, the creative muse oh, grabbed no. hold of my brain. <laughs> and so I went and I actually pulled that that whole. Uh, so for those of you who haven't read, aren't aren't uh, read up on your Shakespeare, there's a section in, in Shakespeare where where you know Hamlet, who's sort of the tragic hero, um, is is dealing with this this tremendous inner and outer conflict in the kingdom, and and he's pretty depressed, <laughs> and so. In in an effort to try and he he's contemplating suicide is what he's doing, and he's saying you know this could all just basically come to an end an end if I could just sleep, and he says no to die yeah. to die is to sleep you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if I could just if I could just go to sleep forever, this is going to be done you know this is Jason's Cliff Notes of Hamlet yeah. good, so <laughs> so I went and I did, I rewrote oh. that's that section and and i renamed the character because i don't want to steal you know shakespeare's character so so in this in this new presentation call him shamlet no no <laughs> okay no, no. no his name is his name is omelet oh, omelet. Omelet. Okay. omelet um so so omelet you know we 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 visit our character omelet yeah. as he's considering uh slow suicide by mask um oh, oh, no. social distancing and vaccination mm-hmm. and um and, and so I've, I've reproduced that. I've I've created a whole uh, introduction and narration piece, and we are going to do a a on air production, a theater uh, of uh, the uh, mind, uh, of of the classic, oh no. soon to be classic, soon to be classic, omelet, uh, yes, omelet. adaptation, adaptation of, of uh, Shakespeare's Hamlet to to omelet. omelet. So. Yeah. So you can wait with, with uh, anticipation. Bated breath. Yes. Edge of my seat. <laughs> yeah, edge of your seat. Uh, the other thing I want to let you know is that um, it's election season. If you are not already uh, engaging your neighbors and asking them to run for office or not considering it yourself, there are people who have already um, 
jumped into the arena. And uh, I am working directly with one of those people. His name is Christopher Kirka. He's running for governor. And I am on his staff now, so in all transparency. Just to let you know how deep it goes, he's sort of a like an outlaw now, like a relative. Uh, my, my daughter married his brother, so, yeah. so I'm not quite yeah. sure how what we'd call each other. Uh, his oldest brother is one of my longest friends. Mm. His wife prepares my taxes. Oh, you know, she has an accounting business. You know, um, he and I served together on the central committee for the Republican Party in, is for she a number notary? of years. She is not a notary. Uh, I don't know if she was your notary. No, just, no, uh, no, no. Uh, my wife's my notary. Oh, okay. So. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. There's, there's a common theme around here. Yeah. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, uh, uh, the campaign is uh, going to be making an announcement okay. on Monday. Uh, and uh, if you are interested, if you're in Wasilla and you'd like to be part of that, go to the Kirka uh, for Governor uh, website. And um, th- he's encouraging folks to come uh, for that announcement. There will be a special presenter. Um, Joe Miller is going to be flying in uh, to, to talk. I am very, very excited about the announcement. This is going to be the announcement for his running mate, uh, for lieutenant governor. And people, people's collective minds are going to melt. <laughs> Some of them mm. in a good way. Mm-mm. Others in... Well, you know how the left mm. responds to bad news. <laughs> well, since we're making announcements, mm. if I might hear an exclusive yeah, announcement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to all I, 27 listeners. Yeah, all 27. <laughs> they, so they tell their friends and their do, friends tell do. their friends. Tell them so that's you, like if what? If they tell six friends, then that's... Maybe 80 people. Yeah, maybe people. more. You never yeah, know. Yeah. depends Go on ahead. how exciting it is. <laughs> so Put uh, your shameless plug in. I am going to do it. Um, I have decided that I am going to be running for representative this year uh, for the district. Um, I feel that the 15 years I've had on the school board and the different boards I've served on governors um, qualifies me and I think the recent interaction I've had and that we've discussed today um, I think there's a need for that Um, I don't I'm not necessarily saying that the person we have representing us now uh, isn't uh, doing a great job I just feel like I have something very special uh, between workforce investment board uh, the oil and gas industry um, recent interactions with law enforcement um, working on Chamber of Commerce as presidents. Uh, across the board, I think uh, the 15 years on the school board, I have a diverse understanding of the services that our government's promised to, to serve and make, and I think that I can bring a voice uh, to Juno, and so I made that announcement here and now. Now, now honestly, when, when you started with I Have Decided, you know where my brain went? What's that? To follow Jesus. <laughs> no turning back. Well, I did that 41 no years ago. No turning back. So, so you're, a, you're a, well, you're an accomplished uh, drummer? Or, uh, or I am. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You I, played this venue once. I did. Once upon a time. I did. I played, uh, I think it's, uh, it was just before COVID. So yeah, you had a rocking band. Yeah, we did. And uh, very uh, proud to, to be associated with the group. Um, I also play the bass, the banjo, and the uh, guitar, mm. but I'm a, a drummer. That's my yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, uh, Marty, for coming in, telling your story. I know um, that kind of puts you out there and, and uh, exposes you to some feedback, um, whether it's positive or negative. We we'll, won't know till that happens. But uh, I appreciate you giving us a chance to um, provide this platform and. Uh, I would just ask you, as you 
interact with your circle of influence, and this goes to our listeners as well, please correct the record mm -hmm. for what the Amokan Coffee Social Club is and is not. And uh, we look forward to your participation in building and securing and uh, uh, conserving our culture uh, and the, the uh, conservative values that um, are such a part of its foundation. So uh, you've been la listening to the Amokan Coffee Social Club Conservative Hour of Power and Enlightenment Salon. We look forward to having Marty back as you uh, put your campaign together. We'd love to interview you about uh, your platform. And uh, once again, Loretta, thank you very much. Well, I'm thank going you. to. I'm, I, now, I promised. I gave a teaser out about a secret. Mm. <laughs> and I Be got careful. to sit down with your husband <laughs> oh, for an no. hour and a half the other day. And I'll tell you what. Did you know <laughs> that we are sitting in company of a well-known, widely traveled chef. Oh, wow. She and years and ago. chocolatier. Oh, she wow. humbly alluded to that earlier. <laughs> you know, four, I think he said he met you while you were managing a four-star. Or no, you were doing a class yeah. in New Orleans. Yeah. But you had been managing yeah, a four-star restaurant. Yeah. A very a very uh, posh place, yeah, as I understand. Nice. Yep. Uh, above uh, Vancouver, yeah. somewhere. Vancouver Island. Yeah. Courtney. Yeah. Yeah. So gave so, it all up to so, move to so, Alaska. So I'm going to throw this pitch out there. So we're going to do the theater of the mind. But oh, no. I also am going to try and procure a uh. commercial kitchen for us to have a special bonus episode, cooking with Loretta and Jason. Oh gosh. And and maybe you can add some culture to <laughs> my palate. Uh, uh, sure, I will. Yeah, I, I think That's it would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it would be. It would be fun. Yeah. I think it would, it would too, fun. and and I think it's important that you do not have a stupid palate. <laughs> <laughs> and with no. that, we will close today's episode, episode 28. Look forward to hearing uh, your comments seeing your contributions to our uh, program on Patreon or uh, meeting you here in the shop and uh, considering your ideas. We'd love to have you on the show if you have uh, a story to tell. And uh, have a great week, everybody. Social